You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Well, should we do it for the third time, I think? Uh, he is risen. Amen. Oh, well, bless you and good morning precious and beautiful people of God. Good morning and welcome to this glorious Easter Sunday. It is, it is probably the greatest moment in the Christian faith. In fact, I would argue Today, the day that we celebrate this event of the resurrection of Christ that we've come together and to celebrate, I would argue, is not just the greatest event in the Christian faith, it is the greatest event in human history. And what makes it so great, this day, Easter Sunday, is what it means, is the meaning of this day. Now, we can talk about it for a long time, but here is, here is the heart, the essence of Easter Sunday and the meaning of it. If Jesus is alive, if Jesus conquered death, then that means because he is alive and no longer dead, That hurt and pain and struggle and suffering and sin and even death will not have the final say in my life. Today is a day all about hope that says to us, is a reminder to us all, and I pray that you will hear this for your life, that the worst thing is never the last thing in Jesus and because of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reminds us that suffering and loss and hurt and sin is not the end of my story. And I say that to all of us today, and I say that especially to my Ukrainian friends today as well. Easter Sunday, the message is, is that hurt and suffering and loss will not be the end of my story. That's what a resurrected Jesus tells us. The worst thing is never the last thing. So, as Johan already mentioned to you, we as a church congregation, uh, oh, sorry, I was meant to say something. Beth wanted me to say something. I just remembered. Uh, if it is possible, do I still need to say it, Beth? If it is possible, if you can move in a little bit, um, there are some people that haven't got seats. So, if possible, if there's an open seat, if you can shift a little bit so we can make some room for one or two people that's still looking for a seat. There we go. Thank you, everybody. Now, whilst you do that, as Johan mentioned earlier, as a church congregation, 
we have been reading through the Gospel of Luke. So we've looked at Luke's Gospel, uh, and what we've done as a church is we have uh, focused on those moments where Jesus broke bread with people, where people gathered around the table, and that's our theme, come to the table. And what we've discovered is always when people gathered around the table with Jesus, broke bread with Jesus, that those moments turned out to be life-altering moments. And today, on Easter Sunday, we are going to look at yet another one of those moments in Luke's gospel where Jesus breaks bread with some people. But what makes this one interesting and significant for us is what we see in today's story from Luke's tw uh, 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 chapter 24, Luke's gospel chapter 24, is we read of the resurrected Jesus breaking bread with some of his followers. And we're going to read of how they encountered the risen Jesus and how that changed their story, how it changed their lives. And as I read the story, you see, because I come to the story asking the question, as we all should, well, how can I hear today, the year 2022, how can I encounter the risen Jesus? I don't just want to know and hear about the Bible characters encountering Jesus. I, too, want to encounter the risen Jesus. And what I want to say just as we read of the story of these early followers of Jesus encountering the risen Jesus, we get to see how you and I here today, too, can encounter the risen Jesus. Shall we read the story? It's from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Now, what I've done, because it's a long story, uh, and I want to read most of it, but because it's a bit long, I've, I've uh, made some edits and uh, just put a few verses together just for the sake of time. But I very much encourage you to go and read today before you get into bed, Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, read the resurrection story. Very early, in the morning on the first day of the week, the woman went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And then we skip a few verses and we read, this happened. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles, it's about 11 kilometers, I think, from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. But they did not recognize him. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, invited him, saying, stay 
with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. Then verse 30, after he took his seat at the table, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. They got up right then and there and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. And they were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Amen. What a beautiful story. So let's unravel this story a little bit so that we can sit here with our hearts open and say, Lord, I too, like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, encountered you, I too today want to encounter you. So let's see how this encounter unfolded and how it happened and what we can learn about how we can meet Jesus. Okay, so let's just... Let's just set the scene. Let's just understand the story. So here's what was going on. There were two disciples, two followers of Jesus. We know the name of one. His name was Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other. And I think Luke does this deliberately. You remember what we said about how Luke writes. The one remained nameless. And I think maybe part of the reason is so that you and I can see ourselves in this story. So that you and I can understand this story is for us. It's about us. So we have Cleopas. Here's another option. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Uh, in my mind, always just thinking about that it's just two men, two disciples. Well, it doesn't say. Maybe it was Cleopas's wife. Have you thought about that? I mean, thinking about the fact that how they invited him in to stay with them as a married couple might do. So maybe it was Cleopas and his wife. We don't know. But there were two followers of Jesus on this road to a village called Emmaus. Now what we're dealing with here, friends, is we are dealing with two people who had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had placed their trust and their faith in Jesus. And in fact, verse 21, you can go and read it, it says... We had hoped that he was the one. So they had hope that this Jesus was the one. And so they traveled to Jerusalem. Maybe they were part of the crowd who, who waved the palm branches on that day that Jesus triumphantly moved into Jerusalem before he was arrested and crucified. Maybe they were part of that crowd because they were ready. They were enthusiastic. Jesus is the one that's going to change everything. And so we will leave it all behind to follow him. And so they go to Jerusalem ready for this great moment of victory. Only to find. Can you imagine? Jesus is the one. He's the answer. We follow him. 
We go to Jerusalem. We're expectant. We're ready. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. This is going to be the best thing ever, only to find this Jesus nailed to a cross. What? What? Is this the story? Did we make a mistake? Is this how it's going to end? And Jesus dies. And to make matters worse, they can't even find his body. And so we pick the story up. Here they are. And so they decided, well, we made a mistake, obviously. We'll go back. And the story is about the two of them traveling back on the road, leaving Jerusalem behind, going back to Emmaus. A journey filled with despair, discouragement, disillusionment perhaps, doubt. And they walk in, filled with doubt, going back. Do we do, we do that sometimes when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? When it comes to our faith, well, I'm, I'm going to trust Jesus to do things in a way that I think he should do them at the time that he should do them, precisely how I think it should happen. And when he doesn't, I go back to Emmaus. When he has let me down by not doing things the way I think it should be done, I go back to Emmaus. Well, I tried. Didn't work out. So here they are, journeying back to Emmaus. They had lost hope. From Jerusalem to Emmaus is about 11 kilometers. Now, 11 kilometers, I don't know when was the last time any of you walked 11 kilometers. I mean, that's a bit of a walk, right? That's a long time to be walking and to be soaking in your misery and to be in despair and to talk and discuss and to encourage one another in your disillusionment and in your doubt. You see, I told you, yes, you were right. You told we should, you know, just. And so we encourage one another. And so 11 kilometers is a long time to discuss. These things maybe say things like, well, you know, the kind of things we say when there's a crisis or when there's tragedy or when there's hurt or where there's brokenness. Maybe these kinds of things were said along this road to Emmaus, things like, well, if there really was a God, how could he let this happen? You know, the kind of things we say when we are hurt. Maybe God's not real. We tried, it didn't work. And so in their doubt and their discouragement, in their sadness, they walk. And it's in this moment that Jesus shows up. 
But he shows up in a very interesting and in a very funny way, actually. Again, not in a way that we would think he should show up. Let's have a look what happens. So as we do, I want to first say this to you. I think Luke left the name of the one follower of Jesus blank so that you and I can recognize this story in our story. Because the truth of the matter is, my friends, that each and every one of us somewhere in life, will walk the road to Emmaus. At some stage in life, we will get to be on this road where we are hurt, where we are broken, where we feel let down by people, perhaps even where we feel let down by God. And there's doubt, and there's frustration, and there's fear, because we don't know what's going to happen now, just as these two followers did not know, well, what now? What do we do now with our lives? Where do we go now? What's next? That each and every one of us will have these moments where we walk with fear and doubt and hurt. And that road looks different for all of us, doesn't it? Maybe your road to Emmaus was, was that walk to the unemployment line because of COVID. Your road to Emmaus. Maybe your road to Emmaus was that walk to the grave of a loved one. Maybe your road to Emmaus is walking into the school building packed with kids who are making fun of you and making your life a misery. Perhaps your road to Emmaus, that moment of hurt and pain and, and trying to figure out where is God in all of this. How I would love to meet the risen Jesus. Maybe your road to Emmaus was the road down a long, cold corridor to a doctor's waiting room at hospital to get news that you don't want to hear. Perhaps for you that road was the road to the divorce courts, having to hear your marriage is no more. Perhaps that road is the road of packing your bags hastily and having to cross a border and leave all that you know and understand behind going to a foreign land because there's war in your country. The road to Emmaus is a road we all understand. It's a common journey to us all. And it is in this moment, in this context, that we read the story. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. 
and interesting. Here's the twist, and we're going to get to the twist. But they did not recognize him. He was there, but they did not recognize him. The story goes on. So he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So basically, he shows up and like, hey, what's up? What's happening? What are you guys talking about? They stood still, their faces downcast, because remember, they have no more hope. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, and I can just, can you just see the sarcasm here? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these last few days? Basically saying, let me translate that, where have you been? Do you know what's going on? And then if you read the rest of the story, here's what happens. So here they are in their pain and talking. Jesus shows up, and I suppose that's the first obvious point to make is Jesus shows up. They did not walk this road of hurt and misery by themselves. He shows up. He walks with you. But notice how he walks with us. Notice how we encounter the risen Jesus. He did not come there and all of a sudden, like some uh, Walt Disney movie with the fairy godmother, just sprinkle some magic fairy dust and just ding, 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 ta-da. All your problems have gone away and waved his little wand and like magic, all is well with the world. Did he do that? No. But here's how the risen Jesus comes to us in our pain. Notice what he does then. Read the story. He goes and he talks to them. And he begins right in the Old Testament. And then he talks to them about Moses. He talks to them about the law. And through Moses and the law. And he talks about the Psalms. And he talks about the prophets. And basically he goes through the Bible with them as they're walking along, explaining to them why Jesus had to die. Can you see what he does? Can you see how he comes to us in our moments of struggle? Not with a magic wand making all our problems go away. But what he did do, he did not change the problem, but he changed their perspective on their problem. And here's how he comes to us. He helps us to see that which we are going through in a different way. He helps us to see it God's way. So the problem is there, but he now changes my perspective. And so in explaining to them, he helped them to see what was going on in a different light. He helped them to see that even in the midst of this pain and hopelessness that you're feeling, He showed them God is still at work, even though you don't understand it. God is still at work, therefore there is hope for you. And so they, oh, okay. I didn't think about that. I didn't see it that way. And he changes their perspective 
on what was going on. And here's what I want you to notice is that he restores their hope, not by changing their problem, but by changing their perspective on their problem. And so often that's how the risen Jesus comes to us. He comes to us as a stranger. He comes to us as a friend. A friend coming with a word of encouragement in your pain, in your struggle. Are you not meeting in that moment when a Christian brother or sister comes to you, wrapping their arms around you, encouraging you, supporting you? Are you not in that moment as they are being the hands and feet of Jesus, experiencing the risen Jesus? My family and I, the last few weeks, have been going through a really, really difficult time. I remember sitting down with some friends and just talking to them and them just talking to us and listening to them, changing my perspective on my situation. Leaving there feeling better. Realizing that in that moment, I've just encountered the risen Jesus. My friends were the hands and feet and the mouth, if you will, of Jesus bringing life. The problem was still there, but I now see it differently. That's what Jesus does for us. He helps us to see ourselves, our lives, our problems, and the people in our lives, and my place in this world through his eyes. comes to us as a stranger. You, as strangers to our Ukrainian friends, preparing the hostel and cleaning and, and giving food and helping them, as strangers to them, are you not living the gospel, being the hands and feet of Jesus, and in your obedience, as the stranger to them, in Jesus' name, they are experiencing the risen Jesus. Now, they might not recognize that they have encountered the risen Jesus. They might think they have just met a stranger along the way. Let's continue with the story. So this is happening. And then verse 28, as they now come to the village, so now, they, now they're in Emmaus. So as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going farther. I love that. So they get to the, let's say to the house, to the village of where these two were going. And Jesus like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll just keep walking. Shall I, shall I keep walking? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to carry on. I love it so good. I love how Luke writes this. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus like, okay, I'll just keep on walking. Should I just keep going? Oh, you want me to stay? Okay, I'll stay. <laughs> I'll stay with you. 
Here's what I want you to see. There comes a point. There comes a moment in our journey, not just on our Emmaus Road journey, but in our life. There comes that moment where we need to choose. Will we let Jesus walk or invite him to stay? Because it's only when they invited him that he moved from stranger to savior. So what I want to say to each and every one of us, myself included, on this Easter Sunday, again, I have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You see, Jesus will not force his way into your life. He will not force his way into your home. He's going to, shall I just keep walking? Or are you going to ask me to stay? There comes a moment where each and every one of us have a choice to make. Where we as individuals, where we as parents, where we as family units have the choice to make. Will we invite Jesus to stay with us? Because there's something about this stranger, even though I don't recognize or fully understand or fully comprehend who it is that I've just encountered. There's something about the stranger that I know I need to ask him to stay. Today, I urge you and encourage you to say, Jesus, please stay. Please stay. Can we carry on talking? Will you stay with me? And let's continue this relationship. Don't miss the moment to invite him to stay. Because it's only because that transition from stranger to savior begins with an invitation to stay. But there's something else that I want you to notice about this, this stranger. And in, you see, when they invited him to stay, he was still a stranger to them. Now, here's another important aspect, I believe, of the kingdom of God and the gospel message. It is a call to us to invite the stranger in our midst to stay. You see, it's when we, as God's people, do what Jesus asked us to do. In other words, it's when we love our neighbor as we love ourselves that we encounter the risen Jesus. It's when we invite the stranger into our midst. It's when we, when we feed the poor and care for the helpless and the homeless and the hungry. You see, here's also how we really encounter the risen Jesus. It's when you and I invite the stranger. We get to see 
the risen Jesus. And so I want to again today on Easter Sunday say to you, well done, church. For indeed, you have invited the stranger. And here's the beautiful thing. I think all those who have been involved will agree with me. It's as I invite the stranger, as I feed the poor, as I, as I help those who are in difficulty, who are struggling, as I love my neighbor, as I love myself, there's just something beautiful that happens. And I get to see Jesus as I serve, as I give, as I help, as I help a brother or a sister who has lost everything. And I say, come, I want to help you. It's in that service that I get to see Jesus, and I come to know him in a way I've not known before. <coughs> it's how I get to experience in the year 2022 the risen Jesus, is by inviting the stranger. And as I get to my final point, which I'm going to make at the communion table, I want you to notice just one interesting side note. And it is this, that as they recognize Jesus, as they recognize Jesus, you will see what happened in the story immediately. They went back to Jerusalem, and they told everybody that they could find. See, my friends, for those of us who have followed Jesus for a long time, here's a very important part of the Easter Sunday message. is there is a call on each and every one of us to speak of what we have seen, to speak about and to tell what God has done, what's happened to us on our Emmaus road and our Emmaus journey. God asks of us to tell others. You see, you are a disciple of Jesus. And like those first disciples, Your story of transformation and encounter of Jesus is a powerful, your witness is a powerful tool that God wants to use to help others encounter the risen Jesus. This is not news we keep to ourselves. I ask you this year to reflect upon your Emmaus Road encounter with Jesus and to speak of it to others. But then, probably the most beautiful part of this whole story for me, as we come to prepare our hearts and lives to receive the Holy Sacrament of Communion. Let me read for us verse 30. So now Jesus has been invited to stay, and this happens. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, then, at the table, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him at the table. The moment of recognition 
the moment of true transformation, the moment of hopelessness to hope and life and a new beginning for these two followers happened at the table, breaking bread with Jesus. And so you want to know how you get to experience the risen Jesus today? The recognition happened as they fellowshiped, as they worshiped together, as they broke bread together in the name of Jesus. You see, friends, it's in our coming together like this once a week on a Sunday for but an hour. It's in our moments of being in a life group with others. It's when we share this meal together. It's when we worship together. It's when we serve together, when we give together, when we fellowship and when we are in community. It's then that we recognize that this is not a stranger, but it is Jesus, the Son of God. You want to you encounter the risen Jesus? Come to church. <laughs> so we remember. One more thing before we remember. The story ends with Jesus appearing to them, speaking these three words. And I pray that you'll hear these three words for you today. Peace be with you. That's four words, right? Peace be with you. So Jesus comes to us. He gives us not riches, not fame, not fortune. He gives us the thing we all really need. Peace. May you this Easter know the peace of God in your heart, in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships. May you know the peace of God. And so we remember that on the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat this is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And so, dear friends, today, like Cleopas and his friend, maybe wife, <laughs> as they broke bread and recognized Jesus, I invite you, us all, to break bread with Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we we receive the elements. May we recognize you. 
Will you open our eyes, our hearts, to see your love, your forgiveness, and receive your healing and restoration, your grace and mercy. As we invite you to stay. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.